And there are so many people in the world suffering just from IBS alone. Not, not even if we start to take into account all the gut-related health issues and conditions that are out there. But IBS accounts for about 11.2% of the population, which is worldwide 896 million people living with a condition that is reversible through diet and lifestyle. And yet the majority of those people don't know this. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast, we are talking about food sensitivities, the vagus nerve, leaky gut, and how you can reverse IBS. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I'm your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And today, my special guest is Dr. Vincent Pedre. He's the medical director of Pedre Integrative Health and president of Dr. Pedre Wellness. He's a board-certified internist in private practice in New York City since 04. His philosophy and practices are a blend of both Western and Eastern medical traditions. He's a clinical instructor in medicine at Mount Sinai School of Medicine, as well as certified in yoga and medical acupuncture. With his holistic understanding of both sides of the equation, he can help each patient choose the best course of action for their ailments and provide immediate and long-term relief. Dr. Pedre, it is such a pleasure to have you on the Gut Health Reset podcast. I'm very excited to hear about your new book, The Gut Smart Protocol. What inspired you to write this book? Oh, wow. Well, this is my second book, and it's been a lifelong journey of dealing with gut issues since I was a child, Uh, from upset stomachs to severe constipation to eventually turning into IBS after I had been on probably 20 plus rounds of antibiotics as a teenager. And as a result of that, I, you know, now I can say as a functional medicine trained doctor that those antibiotics wiped out my gut microbiome, led to leaky gut, um, caused me to become sensitive to gluten and dairy, which were the top two food groups in the diet of a teenager. Um, and probably every teenager on the planet, you know, like cereal with milk for breakfast, ice cream for dessert, sandwiches for lunch, and, you know, it went on and on. So uh, I was getting overexposed to my top two food allergens and they were destroying my immune system. And I just kept getting sick over and over to the point that doctors were actually worried. And um, sometimes uh, this is actually crazy to think because I don't know that this is a practice anymore, but this is back in the 80s. Um, I sometimes wouldn't respond to an antibiotic. So they would give me a shot of gamma globulin, which was pulled globulins from blood donors. And this is before we knew about HIV, before the blood, you know, blood was being screened for all that. And thank goodness I didn't, you know, pick up anything from that. Um, but it was sometimes the way, and I could feel the difference once I got those gamma globulins 
um, I felt like, wow, this is what it feels like to have an immune system that will fight off an infection for you. But I, I had this desire, and I think this is partly why I went to medical school to kind of uncover what is, what was the mystery? Why do I get sick so often? And little did I know that it, that it was right under my nose all this time because I didn't learn that in medical school. We didn't really learn about leaky gut. We learned about sepsis, which a person is really sick. They end up in the ICU and their blood vessels become leaky. So there was a concept of leakiness in Western medicine. But when it came to the gut, they would say, well, that's not, your gut isn't leaky. You know, it's a semi-permeable membrane. It lets some things through, some things. We didn't understand that gut permeability could be controlled like a dimmer switch. And so when I finally discovered functional medicine and, and by then, I, for people to understand, I was already a doctor. I had trained in internal medicine. They would feed us pizza and soda at lunchtime when I was in my training. And then I would be running to the bathroom afterwards. And I didn't understand because you think, well, this is the way everybody eats. You know, why is this problematic? And I wasn't yet realizing the importance of understanding one's own individuality when it comes to food and how your body reacts to food. And I honestly thought that this was just my, my matrix. I was born with a weak stomach. I felt everything through my digestive system, my nerves. I always felt as a child, if I was nervous, I had butterflies in my stomach. So I felt everything through my digestive system. And I just thought, this is my weak point. This is the way the rest of my life is going to be. And I need to just accept that there are going to be those moments when I don't know what happened. I ate something and I'm running to the bathroom afterwards. Then I discovered functional medicine and learned about the gut microbiome and realized, wow, um, I don't have a well-balanced gut microbiome. Like It's been destroyed by all of these antibiotics and, and, it, and in addition to the stress, you know, we can talk about that, the effects of stress on, on the gut and the gut microbiome and, and on gut permeability. And so I changed my diet. I started taking probiotics. I, I started eating organic. I started incorporating um, more vegetables. I cut out gluten. Eventually, I learned that I was gluten sensitive. I cut out dairy. I found some other foods that I was sensitive to. And I put a lot of caution to the wind thinking, you know, this sounds crazy, but I'm going to do it. You know, the, the science is there and I'm convinced. And the changes that I saw immediately, like I used to have a sandwich for lunch and then I was fighting to stay awake by 3, 3.30 p.m. And I didn't, I thought it was just being an overworked doctor, you know, working 12 hour days. Like, you know, of course you're going to be tired at 3.30 in the afternoon. You want to just take a nap. But, but when I say I was tired, it's kind of like that. Tom and Jerry tired where you need to put a toothpick to hold your <laughs> eyelid open because your eyelids are so heavy that you're struggling to stay awake while I'm in the room with a patient interviewing them. And I think this can't be because I need to be able to function for 12 hours. I need to be as fresh. It doesn't matter 
for the person who's coming in at 5 p.m., they don't care that I'm tired. They need me to be as fresh as I was at nine in the morning. So I wanted to figure out why. And taking gluten out was a big factor within two weeks. My energy just started increasing, increasing, increasing. And because I changed the way that I was eating for lunch and no more bread, no, no pizza, none of those things that we consider part of the normal American diet. Um, I had so much energy and mental clarity that I, I realized that this was not an experiment. This was going to be a lifestyle for me. And I started working with patients on their gut health issues and not because I wanted to become a gut health expert. I, I was already an internist. Um, I was studying functional medicine. I loved all parts of medicine, but I did it because it was kind of the unknown. It was kind of that, that territory that there weren't a lot of good um, remedies in Western medicine. You know, you give somebody an antispasmodic, you give somebody laxatives, you give someone a, you know, maybe um, some type of antidepressant for IBS, but you're not really getting to the root of the matter. And when I found that language, when I found functional medicine, it was like I found the home I had been looking for within the practice of medicine from the very beginning. And I always wanted to be a holistic doctor. I was into yoga, meditation, all that stuff. And so I became an accidental gut expert by taking care of all these people who kept referring patients to me. And before I knew it, I realized that um, I was just at the tip of the iceberg. And there are so many people in the world suffering just from IBS alone. Not, not even if we start to take into account all the gut-related health issues and conditions that are out there. But IBS accounts for about 11.2% of the population, which is worldwide 896 million people living with a condition that is reversible through diet and lifestyle. And yet the majority of those people don't know this. And that inspired me to write my first book. And what happened between my first book and second book, there's just been an explosion of research and understanding the gut microbiome and the gut. And I mean, even Western medicine is now, um, can't deny that leaky gut exists because it's been proven in research. And I, I realized working with gut patients that no two guts are the same. Mm -hmm. So how can their diets be the same? And that was the inspiration for my second book, because I realized that if you have severe gut issues, you can't eat the same as someone who has moderate or mild issues. There are certain foods that might not fit right for you in that moment. And if you have them, they can actually set you back and they can set you back for weeks, sometimes months. So I wanted to create a resource for people that didn't exist out there because most of the health books on the market are a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And what I realized after more than a decade of working with gut patients is that there is no one size fits all. And you really need to personalize. And it was a much bigger task than I realized. But I, um, I like to live in the ideal first. I go into the macro level and think like, oh, oh, let's create this. Like, this is beautiful. 
And then when you start getting filtering down into the details, you realize, oh my God, like, how am I going to personalize this for people and get them to understand how they can eat for their gut type? And, um, but I think I did it. I think I managed to, to create something that's going to help a lot of people. And I hope, my hope with this book is that people are going to feel heard and they're going to be see, feel seen because finally someone's telling them, you know, you're not like the next person and the way you need to eat for your gut may be different from your husband, from your family member, from your neighbor, from your friend. And that's okay because that's where you're at right now. And understanding that is how you can heal your gut. Right. So we know that um, these gut conditions, they're an epidemic. You know, they affect so many different people. Um, what is causing this epidemic of gut issues? Jeez. I mean, first of all, I've got to point the finger at myself. <laughs> And when I do that, what I mean is I'm pointing the finger at all the doctors out there who prescribe antibiotics that you know are not necessary. And to qualify that, look, I have saved people's lives using antibiotics. Antibiotics can be very necessary at times. The thing is that it's, I mean, even if you, if you look at the CDC data, antibiotics are overprescribed thousands and thousands of prescriptions. And actually, the, um, there, was a, there was an analysis that came out last year that showed that Hispanics and African-Americans are actually more likely to be over-prescribed antibiotics than any other ethnic group. I think by 30 and 30% um, and 25%. So we're writing too many antibiotics and those antibiotics are destroying the gut microbiome. It's one of the biggest gut disruptors. Then you take all of the things that have to happen in our food supply from the, the shift to processed foods to having gluten is present everywhere. But it's not just that wheat gluten is present. It's that the wheat has been changed. It's been hybridized. And the same wheat that we used to eat, our ancestor ate, is not the wheat that we eat now in the United States. We're eating this dwarf wheat that has 30 to 50% more gluten and our genetics don't evolve that quickly to be able to handle a protein molecule that is actually very difficult for our digestive enzymes to break down. And what we know from research is that gluten increases gut permeability by stimulating the release of a protein called zonulin in the cells that line the intestines. And so it doesn't matter if you're normal, if you're what we call non-celiac gluten sensitive, or you have celiac disease, which is an autoimmune intolerance to gluten, all these levels have a certain level of increase in gut permeability. Now, if you're normal, you might not feel it so much, but I think also this is why we're seeing people evolve chronic health issues later in life, you know, because um, Alessio Fasano, who's a very famous researcher who's looked at the effects of gluten on the gut and, and, um, you know, what is, what is it that creates autoimmune disease in the body? And he came up with the triad, which is there is a genetic predisposition, but your genetics don't mean your phenotype. It 
don't mean that if you've got a gene that you're going to express it later in life. So there's a genetic predisposition, then an environmental trigger. And what he found and hypothesized is that gluten, in some ways, the gluten molecule looks like the surface of bacteria. So the body will recognize it or not, or in other words, not recognize it itself. So recognize it as an invader. And then third in this hypothesis is leaky gut. So if you have an environmental trigger, genetic predisposition, and leaky gut, you've got the three triggers for developing an autoimmune disease, a chronic health condition in your body. So, I mean, throw in pesticides. Pesticides act as antimicrobials. They disrupt the gut microbiome. Glyphosate is a chelating agent. It, it also disrupts the, the gut microbiome. And, and then throw in all the stress that people live in in the modern world. I actually think that our, our lives are more stressful now than they were back in the 1970s when I was born pre-internet age. You know, and certainly technology has made a lot of things better, but at the same token, I think, and look, you know, we're talking here, we're using technology to reach people. I think there are some great positives from technology, but I think there's a lot of negatives as well because I think in some ways they've had us lose touch with our humanity and our own biorhythms and understand that we here, we're flesh, we are not computers. We've got a circadian rhythm. That circadian rhythm is mirrored by our gut bacteria and it determines a whole host of things. So these are, I would say, some of the, the, the more prominent reasons. You know, you can throw in alcohol, like the, um, the abundance of, of the alcohol and, and drinking. And, and I'm not by any means anti-drinking or judging anyone who drinks. But the science is clear that alcohol causes disturbances in the gut microbiome, leads to leaky gut, and increases inflammation by increasing interleukins, like interleukin-6, interleukin-10 in the body that then make you pack on more fat in the middle. And then that increases inflammation and increases your risk for chronic disease. So, you know, there's, there's a confluence of triggers out there. And some of them are under the control of trained medical professionals who should be more judicious about how they prescribe antibiotics. Because, and, and look, the truth is, is, if we were in Southeast Asia, if we're in Mexico, you don't need a prescription. You just walk into the pharmacy and you go and buy an antibiotic. And I'm not sure that that's right either, because um, I can't trust the layperson to know when their symptoms require an antibiotic and when it doesn't, you know, and that has led to a lot of antibiotic resistant organisms out there as a result. Absolutely. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, 
gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit DrAnnMarieBarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Ann Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. Most people are suffering from leaky gut, specifically later in life, you know, and I personally see now because I run zonulin tests and I personally see now that so many people are struggling with that. You know, if if they're not stressed out, they're eating a lot of gluten, if they're not, then they've had rounds and rounds of antibiotics, you know, so it's I think it's hard to have not been affected or your gut health not been affected. So what do we do um, when we think that we have potentially leaky gut? First of all, you've got to take out the gut disruptors. So cleaning out the diet, taking out the the main, the biggest disruptors, um, gluten, especially because it does disrupt the gut even in normal people and increases gut permeability. So if you want to heal the gut, you've, you've got to make some pretty important changes. Alcohol also, depending on the severity of your leaky gut, uh, cutting out alcohol, cutting out excessive caffeine intake, um, sometimes dairy as well. And, and one thing is, you know, it's not all, all about what you cut out. It's also about knowing when to put in the right things. Because if you have severe gut issues, which um, I, you know, de determine through the gut smart quiz in my book, if you have severe gut issues, you can eat fermented foods. Your gut isn't ready for them and they could make you sick. You know, maybe if you have severe gut issues, you might have the inability to break down histamines. You're going to be very histamine sensitive. Um, so even things that we quote unquote, you know, are good. They're not good for everyone at every stage. And so, you know, you start healing your gut by cleaning out your diet, cutting out alcohol, cutting out gluten, possibly dairy, cutting out excessive sugars, you know, because they feed yeast and cutting out processed foods, food dyes. Um, you even have to be really careful about the health foods, quote unquote, that are full of those sugar alcohols like erythritol. The erythritol can also feed um, certain bacteria in your gut and actually can lead to diarrhea and lots of gas, bloating, and discomfort. Um, so, um, you know, when you're, you're looking for alternatives or healthy alternatives, and you, I mean, obviously, eat from the earth as much as possible. But if you're going to buy anything that's packaged, you know, even if you're in a fancy supermarket, holistic supermarket, I'm not going to say the name, but mm -hmm. even if you're there, it doesn't mean that within those hallowed walls, you are protected from things that are bad for you because they do sell items, even in these health food supermarkets 
that are full of sugar, that are full of sugar alcohols. You have to be really careful. And, and then, you know, the diet is the found, is the, the initial foundation, right? Then maybe you take probiotics, maybe you insert other supplements, L-glutamine, things like that, that I talked about in my first book, not so much in my second book, because I wanted my second book to be just about food, like what are the right foods to eat? And secondly, you can out-diet a stressed out lifestyle. So if you're healing your gut and you think you're, you're like a type A, you're, you're checking off all the boxes, you're being perfect, but within that perfection, you're like in a straight jacket of stress, you're not going to be able to heal your gut. I'm sorry to tell you. Diet is only half of the equation. The other half of the equation is mindset, mindfulness, and um, really rebalancing the parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous system and activating that vagus nerve inside your body. And if you don't do that, you know, and this is, I realized this after so many years and still yet, you know, I think people understand diet and that's why even in my book, you know, I lead with, with a diet program. And I think that's really important because one of the biggest questions people have is what do I eat? But second to that is the mind gut connection or the gut brain connection and how that controls what's happening inside and your ability to heal or your obstacle to healing. What do we, how do we activate the vagus nerve to get into that parasympathetic state? Yeah. So, well, first, let me describe what the vagus is, which runs from the brain, the brain stem down the neck on both sides and innervates not just your gut, but every internal organ. And the vagus nerve, imagine it's like this super highway, you know, so we have roads and things, we have super highways. Well, the vagus nerve is a super highway. And it's got more lanes pointing up to the brain, 80%, than ones pointing down to the gut and the internal organs. So the brain, through the vagus nerve, is getting this signaling that the organs are sending, telling the brain the status of the periphery. And those signals are not just coming from our body. So like enteroendocrine um, cells that live within the gut and secrete serotonin, but we also have gut microorganisms that are secreting neurotransmitters like serotonin, like GABA, that are sending signals up to the brain through the vagus nerve, giving the brain a read on what's going on. And then there's that impulse going down from the brain. And we call the, the vagus nerve, the, um, we, call, we talk about vagal tone, right? And so I think of it sometimes as this telephone wire. If you can Think back to the day when we had old telephones where you actually, you know, you didn't just turn on a, pick up your cell phone. You picked up this corded phone. And when you picked it up, it had something we call a dial tone. And if it didn't have a dial tone, you weren't going to make a call because the phone was dead. So the vagus nerve also, when it's healthy, it has a certain level of tone. And a lot of people are walking around with low vagal tone. How would you know? Low vagal tone is associated with anxiety. It's associated with depression. It's associated 
with treatment-resistant depression. It's associated with um, inability to manage your emotions, uh, but also heartburn, acid reflux, indigestion. So if you're stressed and you felt that pit in your stomach and you try to eat and it doesn't sit right, that's low vagal tone. Because stress is probably, out of all the things that I see in my patients over the years, it's is the top thing that causes low vagal tone. So to reactivate it, we've got to do stress-reducing activities. So things like meditation and specifically breath work, especially breath work with humming. So you have, I, I'll have my patients sometimes set a timer and for five minutes, they're going to take a deep diaphragmatic breath and I teach them how to do that. I talk about that in, in my book, The Gut Smart Protocol. You take a deep breath in and then as you exhale, you hum. Mm. And you're going to keep doing this and if you do this for five minutes, you're going to be a very different person at the end of those five minutes. You know, so maybe if you're getting annoyed by your family members or you're about to get into a heated discussion with your husband or whoever, your partner, you just go into the bedroom and you sit and you hum for five minutes. When you come down, you come back out, you're going to be a different person because that humming, it activates that parasympathetic that turns on your, your vagus nerve. Um, you can also sing, you can gargle. There are different ways that you can create that vibration that then reactivates the vagus nerve. And interestingly, you can also, um, I found some research that you can stimulate the vagus nerve by eating fermented foods. But again, with caveat, because if you take my gut smart quiz, and you're in the severe category, you can't have ferments yet. And even if you're in the moderate category, you can only, you have to dip your toe in the water. You can only have a little bit at a time first, as little as a quarter teaspoon, and then slowly increase over time. So some of what I, what I did in the book is I gave a lot of pieces of advice so that people have a big toolkit to choose from. and. And then you can see what is it that makes sense in your life. And I think an important thing also to realize, uh, which is part of self-love and self-compassion, is being really intuitive about what your body needs in the moment. You know, so I do a, personally a variety of breath work. So I may do humming on some days. I do rapid breathing with breath holds on another day. Another day, I don't feel like doing rapid breathing and I just do a very simple breath with focus meditation um, down into my gut. Um, I actually, um, if I can tell a quick story, sure. I, I, was, um, I wanted to team up with meditation and breath work teachers to write some of the exercises for my book. And I got some amazing people like Emily Fletcher, mm. um, Sachin Patel, who is amazing with breath work, Amanda Gilbert, who um, had just published a book called Kindness Now, and she teaches mindfulness. And I needed a third meditation teacher to write because I wanted each chapter to have three breath works, three uh, meditations. And the one I had in mind just kept falling through, would say, you know, yes, but didn't, then didn't follow through with the emails. 
so, and finally, I just thought, you know, I think this means that I'm supposed to write the third meditation. And I took what I knew as a Tibetan loving kindness uh, meditation uh, that has to do with, with self-love and then sending love out to the world. And I turned it into what I call the gut love meditation. And it's a meditation about kind of really connecting with the gut and with the gut microbiome, the hundred trillion microorganisms that live inside of you that are multiples of the 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy. So I like to tell people sometimes that you have your own personal galaxy inside your gut. And the one commonality that I seen over time, you know, as we're talking about activating the vagus and, you know, the mindset and, and how we can heal the gut is that when patients come in to see me about gut health issues, I'm several steps down the road. They've been to multiple doctors. They're frustrated. They've developed an adversarial relationship with their gut. Their gut is not their friend. Their gut is their enemy. And I think part of the healing process is reframing our, even our relationship to our bodies. And that's why that was the inspiration for this gut love meditation to help people start to reframe how they relate to their gut, even if their gut isn't behaving in the way that they would like it to all the time or causing a lot of disruption or internal turmoil. Um, and I think that when you do that, um, it's a powerful shift that you can create in the healing process. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so I, I love your approach to this. And I, I would agree that I think stress is a huge contributing factor to a lot of gut issues and also diet. Those are huge, huge contributing factors. Um, is there anything else before we wrap up um, today? I And at the very end, we'll talk about where we can get your book and your special gift. But is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I think, I think important point to make for people is that it's easy to talk about these things. It it takes initiation to get started. And it also takes a bit of faith because you have to believe that doing something that maybe you haven't done before is actually going to make a difference. But the best way that you're gonna get the strongest results is if you go into it with 100% faith. And because if you do, that means that you're going to commit yourself fully to it. You can't half pass do it. You've got to really commit to it. And then the incredible thing is that results can happen in as little as 14 days. You know, it can be as little as two weeks. So it's not like it's, it's not immediate gratification. It may not happen in a day, but two weeks is pretty close if you really commit yourself. And I think I think that's the one place where people can really surprise themselves. And I, I wanted people to have a variety of choices, even with the breathwork exercises, there's multiple different um, exercises. I talk about 
intuitive eating and understanding the differences between before eating intuition, during meal intuition, and after meal intuition, and how to use those different levels of intuition to know what you should eat, and then to also understand when you should stop eating, and then also be able to analyze, I ate this, how did it sit with me? You know, because I think part of healing the gut is first becoming more aware of how your body is interacting with the environment around it. And that includes what you put in your mouth. And a lot of people are pre-aware. They're not fully in sync with their bodies and they're ignoring a lot of symptoms that are happening because they've just become their normal. The same way that having IBS became my normal until I realized that I was ignoring all of these symptoms because I had lived with them for so long that I stopped even noticing them. And sometimes you don't even know you have a symptom until it disappears and then you realize, wait a second, I was living with that for a while and now I changed this, 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 and now it's gone. So I think having the faith that Change can happen for you, even if you have lived with these gut health issues for, for a decade, two decades, it's still possible, but it takes a, what I call a gut, body, mind, spirit approach. Yeah, it is. It is everything. It really is to heal your body. So yeah, I know you have a special guest for the listeners out there today. Um, so what's the gift and where can they find that? If um, they can go to gutsmartprotocol.com forward slash gift. And I know you'll include that. In the I show will notes. in the show notes. Yep. Um, so they, they can go there and pick up a free um, chapter from my book with a couple of little surprises. So they can, they can kind of evaluate whether this book feels right to them before they go out and buy it. Um, and I hope, I think if they check out the free chapter, I think that anybody who reads it is going to realize that this is this is going to be an impactful book and they're going to want it thank you for listening to the gut health reset podcast please make sure you subscribe leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast and hey take a screenshot of this episode and tag dr Anne marie on instagram or facebook at dr Anne marie barter and for more resources just visit dr Anne marie